Shalom, I'm Dr. Yana Sanders, and I'm inviting you to walk with me on a life-changing journey as we return to the original language and culture of the Word of God together. TheFoundationNest.com is offering a program with you in mind for those who are hungry and thirsty for the Lord. This program is called Hakan Ivri. It's found at www.thefoundationnest.com. You can click on the name Hakan Ivri and walk with us. In this exciting program, you will learn about ancient rabbinical literature that is found in the Word of God. Also, when the Lord spoke many of the teachings that He shared that are recorded in the Gospels, He referenced some of these ancient writings. You'll also understand the history behind many of the sayings that Yeshua spoke the Hebraic idioms in Scripture. We have many topics that we'll be covering, but the reports have been incredible from the people who have already been walking this path, that their eyes have been opened to a brand new way of engaging with the Lord, of seeing Him truly in His true setting, with His language, with His culture, and engaging with the Lord in such a way has brought new depth and meaning to their lives. I would love to walk this path with you. If you'll go to this website, www.thefoundationnest.com. Now that's all one word, thefoundationnest.com. Click on the tab, Hakan Ivri, and let's walk together and discover the ancient paths, again, that are unfolding in this day and this era to draw all of us into a deeper union with the person of the Lord. I look forward to seeing you there. Shalom and shalom. Thank you for listening to Origin Gate's daily podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Samantha Mahoney and I'm sharing an insight of the day. From my previous podcasts, you'll remember that I began to share about my health journey. Part of my training has been to attend coaching training. Now, coaching and counseling are two totally different things. I've been involved as a counselor in a counselor capacity for many, many years. What that looks like is if someone was to come to me with a problem and I look at it from a different perspective because I'm not in the thick of what they're going through. I can see something from viewing it from a different perspective. If they were to say to me, for instance, Sam, I really want to get into exercise and I don't know why I don't, but that's something that I would like to change. The moment I start giving advice or counseling that person, a fascinating thing happens in our brains. And you might notice this when you try to give advice to somebody. A little part of your brain called the amygdala kicks into gear straight away. Now, what the amygdala does is it's a protection type of thing. It protects you. It notices different stresses and it protects you. It's defensive. It's aggressive. It's negative. So it kind of responds from a person that I try to help. I might say, you know what? Let's take this slowly. Why don't we put a plan of action in place and 
set up a three-day schedule where you only exercise for 20 to 30 minutes. That's doable. Straight away, the amygdala of that person tries to protect them and they will go, oh, you know what? No, I'm very busy. I don't know if I can do three times a week. You know, actually, I've got hip and back problems. I don't know if I can do any exercise. And so you'll see this kind of language come from someone while their amygdala is in play. Coaching, on the other hand, is about moving that part of the brain that they're thinking with to the prefrontal cortex of the brain. That begins to look for solutions. That's a logical thing. It's a positive thing. So, for instance, if I say to that same person, all right, so you want to start exercising, tell me, what are your expectations from an exercise program? What's your capacity? Where's your current fitness sitting at? What do you think that you would be able to do? How much time do you think you could set aside for exercise? It actually gets them thinking logically and positively, and they come up with their own solution. You've led the conversation, but actually they've thought of it, and so it's much easier for them to implement because the idea has been their own great idea. Isn't this amazing? So anyway, in one of my coaching sessions, what the plan is, you get together with two or three of you in a group and you each have a turn to be a coach and the other one to be a client and the third one is the observer. On this particular day, it was my turn to be the client and you go in there with a problem that you're wanting help with and then they practice coaching like I've just shown you. On this particular day, I said, I don't have a problem that I need help with, but why don't you ask me a resonance question and let's see what comes out. What's a resonance question? A resonance question is a question that gets asked that is not answered by yes or no or mm-hmm. It's a deep, it's an open-ended question that gets deep thinking involved. When the person thinks deeply, he's tapping in to the conscious and the unconscious realm of his brain and coming up with things that the coach could then see, okay, because remember they're from a different perspective. All right, okay, I see a pattern. I know where I can go with this. So on this day, I said, ask me a resonance question. The question that was asked was, Sam, what do you like about people? Yeah, I had to think really deep and hard. No, I'm joking. What I came back with was I said, I'm in a position where I do connect with people all day, every day. Some people share some heartbreaking, heartbreaking things that they go through. Really tough. And what I most admire about them is how they come through all of those things. Those trials that were meant to destroy them and, and kill them and wipe them out. They step over it. They overcome it. They become stronger because of it. Yes, of course, they wear the scars from the process and the battle that they've just been through, but they come through to the other side. And that's what I most love about these people is their resilience. She picked up on that word and she said, Sam, do you think that you've been resilient? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, in what ways have you been resilient? So I shared some of my journey and some of the things that I thought would destroy me, but actually they haven't. And I said, I honestly, honestly believe that no matter what I face, I have a capacity on the inside of me and I will get through it. It might not be easy, but I will get through to the other side. So she said to me, do you think that you are strong mentally and emotionally? And I had to say no. 
Who of us feels strong mentally and emotionally when we go through something so difficult? No, it's very hard stuff. It's, it's, it's raw, it's emotional, all the things that we have to deal with. But when I stand here and I see what I have overcome, I know that there's nothing that could come to me in the future that I wouldn't eventually be able to get over. And that's the same with you. So what is resilience? This word has been staying with me for months now. What is resilience? I also began to learn about it in some of my studies. Resilience is the process of moving forward. If you stay stuck in that rut of loss or grief or whatever it is, you're not actually taking that ground. You're not moving forward. Resilience means you bend, but you don't break. It also means to manage and to adapt. It means thriving through adversity. There's a term that I've learned in my studies. It's called hormesis. What hormesis is saying is if you have something in a small dose that would have killed you if you had had it in the last dose, it actually pushes you through to your next level. It brings growth. It brings tolerance. Um, it brings longevity to you. Now, what do I mean by that? There are many things that if you did them in excess or if you had large doses of it, it could kill you. For instance, sunlight is one of them. Sunlight has the ability to cause cancer and, and all that kind of stuff at long-term exposure. But a little bit is really good for you. It's vitamin D and it kicks your immune system into action. Exercise is another example. If you were to run around all day, you don't sleep, you don't do anything, you just run, you're going to die, okay? Too much of that is going to kill you. But in small doses, it has amazing health benefits for you. Fasting is another one of those examples. If you were to fast forever and never eat another meal in your life, you're going to die. But in small doses, in, in a, like a 16 to 18 hour window, it has amazing effects on your immune system. So this is an actual term called hormesis. Talking about a little bit of something that would kill you actually growing you. Another definition of resilience is a conscious effort to move forward in a positive manner as a result of lessons learned from an adverse experience. Now, I thought that all people had this resilience that I've been talking about. But in my studies, it's trying to prove me wrong. It's saying that not all people are resilient because of various factors that they're exposed to. Let me ask you a few questions and just give me a nod so that you don't look weird. Just give me a little nod if this applies to you. Have you ever lost someone? Or have you had your heart broken? Have you struggled through divorce or been a victim of infidelity? Have you lived through a natural disaster? Have you had a miscarriage or infertility issues? Are there mental illnesses or dementia attached to your bloodline? Do you suffer with suicidal thoughts? I bet you that the majority of you listening to this podcast would have nodded at least once. Adversity doesn't discriminate. Some of the reasons that in my studies they've given for why people are not resilient is because one of the things is loss and grief. I remember my gran losing my grandfather to cancer and for 10 years after he died, she seemed to be in that same state of mourning all of that time. It was a constant thing and I believe that it eventually killed her from that broken heart. So that would be one thing about the resilience not kicking in there. That loss and that grief was overwhelming. 
Another reason is a lack of cognitive resources where there's a, a, an inability to think through certain things or to process things or to take a step back and look at it from a different perspective. Where there's a lack of um, that prefrontal cortex um, activity in your brain helping you to come to those solutions. A lack of social skills is another reason given. Relationship difficulties, drug and alcohol use, discrimination, racism, instability. These are all reasons given why people are not resilient. You know, everybody has gone through something or they will go through tough times. Dr. Lucy Hone, she talks, she's a, she's a lady that does a TED talk. Um, she's from Christchurch, New Zealand. And I've just watched one of her talks uh, for my studies. It was a recommended resource. She talks about hope being the thing that helps you on your journey through the anger, the pain, and the sorrow. She says it is possible to make yourself think and act in certain ways that will help you navigate through tough times. You know, when I was listening to this talk, I just thought, wow, we have a secret that the world doesn't have. Doesn't the word say we live, we move, we have our being in him? The provision of everything we need is in Him. There's all the hope you need and all the joy you can handle. You have access to the peace that passes all understanding. You have provision physically, spiritually, emotionally. Everything that you need is found in Him. But we've got to learn how to ascend into our position within Yeshua where all things are beneath your feet. Now, it's not to say we don't feel the pain or the grief or the loss of what we're going through, but our perspectives are different. Our help is supernatural. Dr. Hone spoke about three specific strategies that she recommends to anyone who is going through stuff who doesn't feel like they have the, the capacity to overcome that stuff. The first strategy, she says, is that resilient people get that stuff happens, bad stuff. That suffering is a part of your life. Knowing this doesn't mean that you welcome it in or you go looking for it. But if it ever came to you, that suffering or that grief or whatever it is, to know that it's part of the human existence so that you don't feel discriminated against or it's not a personal jab at you. You know, we weren't promised a life free of pain. James says in um, James 1 verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now I know that reading that verse, you'll go, well, thanks very much, Sam, but you know nothing about what I'm going through is joyful, so I can't exactly connect with this verse. So let me read the next verse. Verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So that's the first strategy. If we can begin to realize this is not personal. It's not, it's not something that I've done. A sin that I've done so bad. And now God is punishing me. Stuff happens. Horrible stuff happens in life. But if you look at James. The whole point of those trials is to produce something in us. It says it produces patience. And when patience has its perfect work. You know that we can be complete and perfect. Lacking nothing. So there's a, there's a point to all of it. 
Strategy two says that resilient people are good at choosing what they focus their attention on. They appraise situations realistically and focus on what they can change and they accept what they can't. This is a vital, learnable skill called resilience. We notice threats and weaknesses. We hardwired for negativity. Remember what I was just telling you about the amygdala? Negative emotions stick to us like Velcro. Resilient people are tuned into positive or to the good. And it's not to say that what you're going through, you know, just sweep it under the carpet and ignore it. It's not really that I'm suffering. Yes, you are. Of course you are. But tune into the positive or the good because your perspective can make the difference. In Dr. Lucy Hone's story, she lost her 12-year-old daughter in a car accident together with her daughter's best friend and mother. Even though there was that loss and that grief, she found things to be grateful for. She said, you know what? I have a social support system. I have two other children that need me right now. She began to work through all of the things that she was grateful for in her life. And she began to focus on that. She focused to the good. It's not discounting what you're going through, but it's focusing also on what you have. There was a study done in 2005 by Martin Seligman and his colleagues. They did this experiment for six months and they said to people, I want you to think of three good things that happen every day for six months. Over that six month period, people showed higher levels of gratitude, higher levels of happiness and less depression despite what they were going through. It's called hunt the good stuff. And the third strategy is resilient people ask themselves, is what I'm doing helping me or harming me? Now in Dr. Lucy Hone's situation, she would think to herself, do I need to go and see that driver that killed my child and her best friend and her best friend's mother? Do I need to go see her? The question she asked was, if I do that, will it help me or harm me? She chose not to do it. So I ask you, holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness, is that helping you or harming you? Dr. Hone also said she would sit in front of her photo albums and she would page through them and she would find herself going into deeper depression. She asked herself, is this helping me or harming me? And obviously she felt at that time that it was harming her. It's not to say that you'll never revisit it again, but in that moment it was harming her. Is the way you're acting helping or harming you? Asking this puts you in control of your decision making. So I want to end with this. Your capacity is amazing. You have a support system. All of heaven surrounds you. You have cloud of witnesses. You have the angelic. You have tutors and counselors, the seven spirits of Yahweh that tutor you on how to get through all of this stuff. You are resilient.